the song of the ship. Battles and sanity reigned beneath the wolf mouth as the black flyer's long shadow turned in a dangerously low sweep, then spared into the exchange of shattering ballistics. At Kesh's instruction, Torsten was now flying back towards the besieged Rari ship. It had occurred to Torsten that he could simply ignore the boy and continue towards Thimble Winter. But the lantern computer machine was a malevolent-looking item, and Torsten suspected that something deeply powerful and mean dwelt within. If it was controlling the battle suits, then it could instantly kill any of the occupants, and the lanterns had a vicious reputation. Already they wanted to add sacrilege to the defeat of the Rari. What in fifteen hells else do they want? Power, Torsten guessed. They wanted the dead god's power. Very good, said Kesh. The computer has located my mission ops server and is now sending configurations for a specialised munitions package asset to this vehicle. A panel lit up and Torsten read off the shimmering yet legible text. Then he nodded. Ready, he said. Then prepare yourself said Kesh. We're going to fire on the Rari ship and so use the damaged hull section to get inside. We're going inside? asked Torsten. Yes, these Rari vessels are not as they appear. And you know this how? My people are very good at guessing. And by the way, unless you want us both to die, we need to be losing speed about now. Torsten reduced airspeed. The plane was still rushing beneath them. There was still fast. Kesh nodded in approval. When we're inside, we'll be in hover flight mode, said Kesh. It'll be total darkness, but images will guide you. Torsten shook his head. Being expected to handle such manoeuvres on his first time piloting such a craft was extremely reckless. He said, Kesh, seriously, what kind of flying? I said the computer will help you. Then why not send a drone? Because my people don't play those games, said Kesh. Yes, growled Torsten, because that's what other humans are for. My people are very sick, said Kesh. The black hole, the wolf mouth, is hurting us. We really needed your help. Don't you see that? And if that makes us bad, then yes, we are bad. Because we're always bad, aren't we? Aren't we? Also this way, we'll beat the Rari together. Look at history, Torsten. The War of Rome. The Devil Skies. The North-South Alliance. History happens when people help other people. It had to come to this. Okay, but what are you planning with us going into the ship? This isn't just about survival. Oh, Torsten, when did you people become such cowards? Excuse me? The Norse changed, said Kesh. We never changed. Understand that. We never became different. You Norse stopped doing things that we never stopped doing. Maybe because we come from further back, and that means we shall go further forward too. We are time. Now, are you ready to engage? We're going to blast the side midsection. You'll know when we're in range. The Rari ship was back in their sights. From this angle, the spacecraft's long tail was visible. It stretched back from the angular forward sections and the tapering got so thin that it was impossible to see exactly where it ended, if it ended at all. The brute box was taking heavy fire, but already there seemed to be only nine Sea People war carriers, where there had been fifteen. The weapons panel lit up and Torsten hit the command execute shaped explosive package. The flyer shook as four missiles streaked out. Torsten watched the grey rocket trail skimming barely above the great white plane as they headed straight for the Rari ship. The speed, the noise, this was play. Hadn't Sif said something like that? Something like a war cry rose up in Torsten's own chest. White Christ, he thought, what in seven hells am I doing here? We are the sea. 
not a voice, his voice. The missile impacts on the Rari ship were not as cataclysmic as Torsten had expected, but panels were falling away. He instinctively slowed and brought the flyer around, the hidden hand of a flight computer assisting him as the hover function smoothly engaged. And then they were inside. Darkness. Absolute darkness. Kesh had mentioned images, but could those be trusted? Torsten flicked for floodlights, but hit police spinners. They showed the Rari interior as a featureless chamber of strobe-lit blank panels. As the structure boomed and shook from the sea people assault, the flyer hovered uncertainly. The confined space was causing the rotors to make far more noise than before. But despite himself, Torsten enjoyed the flashing lights and rotor sound. Forget the sea people drums, this was his battle music and they were drawing dark energy from it. Ten hells. This was fun, if only Sif was able to join him. What now? asked Torsten as another Sea People missile impact boomed behind them. Follow the radar imaging, said Kesh. Torsten checked a panel. The instruments showed a square-sided tunnel that led towards the back of the craft, although the actual end of the tunnel was out of the sensor's range. Seriously? For how far? asked Torsten. This is a cenotaph that goes back a long way, said Kesh. Would that information be the product of more lantern research? The boy nodded. We can read an architecture when we see it. Architecture? It may be deeply alien, but this surely was a starship. You do not grow a building into the mind ocean. Maybe the boy's command of Universal wasn't as good as it had seemed. The collision detectors functioned well and the rotors were an exhilarating yet stable drive system. Torsten engaged the flyer and they edged forward into the tunnel. The computer guidance noticeably dampening and nudging his hand movements on the sticks. With the police spinners flickering around the closed interior like the pulsing life of a wild boxed heart, the sound of the sea people assault eventually receded. What Torsten could see of the interior was clean but strangely asymmetric. Again, he thought of something crudely made in a jail. Kish's hand fluttered over the controls and then threw a switch that made the rotors run a lot quieter. Now you care about noise, said Torsten. You'll see, said Kesh. Where are we going? Right to the beginning, or rather, right to the end. We're still on the Rari ship. Ship? Maybe at the front, but we're going a long way back, to where they all begin. Begin how? Last words, Torsten. The alien gods, last words. Yes, its very last living moments. How? Torsten, don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. The Rari don't think in terms of ships. No ships. They build. Is that why your people understand them better, perhaps? Also, maybe that's why we hate them more. How old are you, Cash? I'm ten. Torsten paused. Cash clearly knew what he was doing, but this felt very wrong. To be trespassing in this cold, bleak place unnerved him. Torsten felt that the very souls of himself, Cash, Dimblewinter, and all her crew were in danger. He said, I think we should go back. The walls are getting narrow. We cannot fly much further. Then we stop and we walk, said Kesh. If you want to go, then go. But I have to complete my mission. And this is leading right back to where? The cell of where a god died. I told you, this goes back to the start. White Christ, this is all wrong. Torsten, this is the role that my people gave me. And you can call it whatever you choose.
Before the tunnel became too narrow to navigate with any chance of a return, Torsten set down the flyer. Return, but to what exactly? The Sea People's bombardment was a long way back now. In the hush there was no longer any sound of battle. The Great Plain could be lost and Thimblewinter destroyed. There could be nothing left of the Rari ship but this dreary, slightly crooked tunnel that only had air, as Kesh explained. Because the Rari ships were so haphazardly constructed, local atmospheres seeped in. With the rotors and engines now ticking as they cooled off, Torsten found the forward floodlight and switched that back on, killing the flickering hazard flashes. The situation was still and clearly very serious now. Torsten picked up a long gun, and holding the boy's shoulder, he led Kesh through the dark cabin and past the rigid battle suits that enclosed the teacher bird and the tall girl, and Sif's sleeping faces behind reflective visors. Torsten tried not to look at their frozen casket-like presence. All his initial exultation at the attack, those four missiles, was gone and now there was already too strong an atmosphere of the tomb. Did you say that you had some water? asked Kesh. Torsten picked up Sif's leather bag and checked inside. He felt strangely guilty taking a water flask, but handed it to Kesh. Are you sure that you want to go out there? asked Torsten. If Sif was able to move around, she'd be trying to stop you, and you know that. Kesh shrugged. One last job, they said. Just this one last job, and then I'll be able to do whatever I want. When I was your age, all those thoughts were very far off, said Torsten. I was playing in the fields of the other kids. Did you see where I came from? asked Kesh. Yes, said Torsten. Then trust me that this is the only way. And thanks for the water, said the boy, but he did not open it. An alarm began to sound. It was a sharp bell that circled through a queasy musical scale in a way that Torsten had never heard before. More weird tech from the lanterns. What's that? asked Torsten. Do I have to explain everything? asked Kesh, suddenly angry. He felt for and then pulled a lever and the alarm stopped. Xeno threat? asked Torsten. Yes, Xeno threat. We are entering the zone of containment. Torsten and Kesh walked down the ramp, their boots clanging hollowly, and then to the front of the flyer, past its stationary, drooping, twin rotor blades. The tunnel was more a passageway now. The air was cool, thin, and dry. Its floor was covered in a fine mist of dust, as if Kesh and Torsten were the first feet to ever step here. The flyer's main floodlight cast Kesh and Torsten's shadows shockingly far into the narrowing space. Last chance, said Torsten. Are you sure that you want to do this? Yes, said Kesh. Remember, whatever's down there, I've got the long gun, said Torsten, and he half expected Kesh to make a dismissive remark, but instead the boy patted Torsten's hand. He could feel that Kesh was sweating. Come on, said Kesh, who appeared to be orientating himself away from the faint warmth of the tunnel towards the creeping iciness of the darkness ahead. It must be down here. They walked in silence. Torsten became increasingly aware that the reach of the flyer's floodlight was sinking behind them. He wanted to say something, but what? He was finding it impossible to reconcile the gritty reality of where they were with the outlandish plans that Kesh had outlined. The Rari ships were not starships, as humankind understood them, but vicious architectural cell extensions from a dying alien god's last imprisoned moments. And in its last moments, Kesh a physically challenged child was going to somehow humiliate that god just to show him that lanterns do not play games. Absolute insanity. And yet these walls were real enough. 
the air had an authentic snap of deep confinement. The tunnel's surfaces were flat but crude, and as usual for the Rari, they appeared ill-joined. Was this the beginning of the cell that Kesh had talked about? A cell? Or at least the route to a cell? Was it a corridor extrapolated from that cell's walls? The darkness ahead was heavy enough for it to contain anything. Maybe Torsten should have taken the boy more seriously. Because Sif had seen to. Maybe Kesha's plan was really happening. To be and played out just as the boy had said it would. Maybe they were now a billion years and twenty million galaxies away from the Lantern space station, which lay at the front of the Rari ship. Maybe they were indeed approaching the start, as Kesh had promised. Back in engines on Thimble Winter, Torsten had heard and then seen the aftermath of a single-shot firefight. He had seen the way the Rari used time. Realisation fell upon Torsten then. A moment of disembodying terror. We are the sea. And this is happening. Kesh stopped walking. And Torsten quickly raised the long gun as his imagination filled the darkness ahead with demons and atrocities. But Kesh had only stopped to take a drink of the water. He emptied the flask in three greedy gulps, and Torsten thought of Sif slamming vodka to toast her own warrior's challenge. Kesh turned then, and for the first time, Torsten was fully aware of the boy's condition of blindness. His eyes shone seemingly without pupils, and then he turned to the dark and the sound of scratching. A snap of icy air, and Torsten, catching the flask as Kesh tossed it to him, now heard a fingertip's faint tapping. Tapping against metal, tapping against bars, a fingertip, or the tip of a claw. Then a long, horrific, drawn-out groan, so loud and so close. It sounded like no human or animal that Torsten had ever heard, causing the hairs on his arms to prickle and Kesh's name to dry upon his lips. And this is happening. They were walking into the cell where an alien god lay sick and alone. More than that, Kesh and Torsten were walking into its last nightmare the one where it finally expired and they were both about to take a leading role. Kesh and Torsten were the nightmare and it knows that we are here. Again, Torsten heard that awful long groan. It was far closer now. Then he felt a flammable stink of meat breath, so old and rotten that it entered to flash white the inside of Torsten's nose and then his skull as a flare that extinguished all that ever was or could ever be. And in that brightness, the unholy stench found a pattern of human parts and hands and using this understanding reached down for Torsten's lungs and cavity of ribs and spitefully tore at what tenderness was contained about there. It tore at his heart one prisoner to another. Torsten woke slowly, cautious in the wake of brutal dreams. He had become aware of low, soft light and a warming eiderdown. He was in his cabin on Thimble Winter, no bones broken, 
as terrors that could not now be known ebbed to where they could no longer be found. Torsten felt a little hungry. The ship hummed the way that it did in flight. For a while longer, Torsten drifted in and out of shallow consciousness, and at one point he remembered Sif looking in on him. Later, when he was more fully aware, she came back and sat on the bed. Torsten, how do you feel? asked Sif. I'm fine, I think, said Torsten, uncertain of his words and sitting up a little. I must stop waking you up like this, smiled Sif. Look at what happened last time. But a once abandoned ship is now full of everyone plus a child. And don't even ask what Thimble Winter has been making of herself. What a long, strange day we've had together, my friend. I never mind you waking me up, sighed Torsten, closing his eyes as sketchy recollections of the great plane, Kesh, the lantern flyer, and... A cold tunnel, was it, came back to him. What happened? asked Torsten. You said that the boy is well. Sif nodded quickly. Um, we'll get to that, Torsten. And actually, Kesh is fine. Anyway, I was locked into my suit while you and Kesh took yourself off on that ill-fated expedition. Luckily, the tool drone got itself together and neutralised that lantern computer machine. Neutralised? How? They had a fight, and the tool drone very thoroughly killed it. No love lost there. None at all. And then, while we were getting our suits to work again, the tool drone came after you both and brought you back. I don't remember any of that. Well, you'd both walked quite a way, further than the apparent dimensions of the Rari ship should allow, and you really went somewhere extraordinary, super weird radiation. The tall drone's AI was seriously corrupted. It has some audio recordings, and that's it. What do these recordings say? Well, it's Kesh shouting mostly. Shouting what? He was talking to the god and saying it like a challenge. Let me see you. Over and over. Let me see you. Another memory unbroke then. Darkness, movement, cold cell walls and Kesh shouting those very words while Torsten fought what felt like an iron claw in his chest as he reached to pull the child back. Kesh was shouting over and over, Let me see you! Is Kesh still blind? asked Torsten. Yes, as a matter of fact he is. Let me see you? Well, that didn't happen. He was not healed. He did not see. It seems that god wasn't such a great and powerful god after all. And Kesh wanted the god to know that. Even as it died, Kesh brought a mirror to its powerlessness. I think that was the mission. Well, part of it. Torsten sighed. Here it comes, the dreaded extra little something. Sif nodded. Thimble Winter found something in Kesha's clothing, just as it permanently lost the diffusion powers. That exotic radiation environment, Kesh was unknowingly transmitting its details, a blueprint you could say, back to the lanterns. Oh wow, thought Torsten. Those devils. The lanterns sent us in there, into the darkness, maybe half the universe away. The black hole was killing them, and whatever new power the Rari possessed, they wanted it too. Torsten closed his eyes. Still, said Sif, he did crush a deity in its last moments. God killer. Quite the story for a young lad. Is Kesh free now? He's with us, Torsten. Like I said, you've been through a very strange time. Now sleep. Later, Torsten went to find something to eat. Sif and the teacher bird were in the long room, talking quietly while Sif sipped at a bowl of soup. Hey, Torsten, you shouldn't be running around, says Sif. Get back to bed, I command it. I'd call that more a shuffle than a running around, said the teacher bird. But at least he's clothed. 
Oh, flap off, said Sif. Go on, you terrible bird. I'm sure there's something new in engines for you to fiddle with. Yes, it's all change on Thimble Winter, said the teacher bird, as it flew out of the long room. Change? asked Torsten. Gods, yes, I forgot about that. What did Thimble Winter have done to itself? First, here's some pumpkin soup. Sit down, and then I'll tell you. Torsten slid down to opposite Sif, who poured him a warm bowl of the soup. Firstly, Torsten, how do you feel? Alive, I suppose. But no light sickness, right? Can you believe we're in light space and going faster than ever before? Seriously? Yes. Thimblewind has new shields installed, so now there's none of the unpleasantness. Well, that's surprisingly considerate of her. I know. I think Thimblewind is in the market for a posher crew. Anyway, she's also a lot bigger. The cargo deck was extended, so now the teacher bird can loot more stuff. Did he get the computer? No. The tool drone killed that, but do you remember the interesting lantern's flyer? The one with the two rotors? We did get that. And the real name is an ash wing. Because of the seeds with the spinning wings. That's where the lanterns got the idea, according to Kesh. Tall girl is down with it on the cargo deck at the moment. She's really into this aircraft. I think it's that noise that it makes. Pure aggression, right? She's painting on a brilliant new camo job. Angry clouds and shifting beams of light using paint that's like a liquid screen. You splash it on the flyer and there's an animated picture. She's already half covered the ash wing, which she has given a new name. She's calling it The Dreamer. Torsten frowned. The Dreamer? Yes, I'm sure there's a story there. She mentioned a friend, the one who made her change her eyes to that lovely gold. Am I gossiping? Oh, just a bit, Sif, but the dreamer. I know. Definitely story there. I think she's pining for this friend of hers. Of course, as far as the teacher bird is concerned, the tool drone is in deep disgrace for wrecking the nasty computer. But we were literally suffocating in those suits. So well done, tool drone. Be gone, you beastly bird. Anyway, Kesh is fine. He's down in cargo with the tall girl explaining the ash wing to her. They are best friends now, and the tall girl is a little possessive of Kesh. I don't think that she believes we made a very good job of looking after him. Well, I thought we did all right. Me too, agreed Sif. One thing, continued Torsten. Why didn't tall girl get back with her sea people? They were right there. Yes, that is an extremely good question, said Sif. But no one has dared to ask her. It's funny. After we got away from the Lantern Station, General Mayhem, as you recall, and once everything was a little calmer, I was going around with Thimble Winter Remote Medical AI, checking up on everybody. There's a psych evaluation element, and that made me wonder, Torsten, who is the most complex personality on this ship? I would wager it's the tall girl. All that bashing around, and then she can be so still and thoughtful. She's quite the romantic, really. Torsten says, complex and terrible personality. Teacher bird gets my vote. Not kind, utterly unlovely, and if there's ever any romance going on, I definitely wouldn't want to see it. But I can live with it. The teacher bird's wickedness is all part of the song of this ship, I suppose. Sif sighed. Well, that's a nice way of thinking about us all. Sif, listen, said Torsten, after what happened, and I'm still not sure what exactly did happen, I have never in my life been happier to wake up anywhere than here on Thimble Winter. Torsten, you missed us rowdy rabble. Torsten thought of claws of darkness that reach, then learn and tear. He told her, more than you can possibly know, Sif. She lowered her eyes then, as if holding something back. Then she looked up and said, After the rescue, you, barely coherent, and Thimblewinter had a very brief, serious chat and agreed on a course. Another grey area, thought Torsten, although I suspect this new course will involve the Sons of Sons. Was my plan being to get as far away as fast as possible? asked Torsten. Oh, absolutely, said Sif. I think we all pretty much agreed on that. And what about Kesh? I'd say he's perfectly well balanced, considering. He didn't want to be of his people. 
Oh, absolutely not. He was like, I did my job and now I'm off. Good riddance to the lot of you. What an excellent young fellow, said Torsten. They did give him that terrible name and then they used him really badly. Yes, Torsten, but please don't labour the point with him. Kesh is quite happy for now. Like I said, the tall girl is a huge fan. He told us about getting into that horrible cold cell and coming up against the dying alien god. Quite the war story, like you said, Torsten laughed while inwardly feeling very sick at what his mind was hiding from him. Yes, tall girl was a gog, and now they're custom fitting their gunship together, talking about army stuff and horses. I say, leave them to it, and before you ask, the teacher bird says he has friends who might know where we can have Kesh's vision healed. Torsten asked, friends of the teacher bird? There are friends. I know, Torsten. It's a bit sinister, isn't it? And Kesh was strange. He said he'd only consent to the procedure if it was reversible. Then the tall girl was on about seeing the dreamer in all her glory, and me, I was like, leave the children to it. How are you, though, Sif? Well, getting trapped in my suit wasn't brilliant, but otherwise I'm well. I was very worried about you, though, and Kesh, of course, but he seems like a tough little unit. You, though, Torsten, you are really messed up. That whole Rari environment is so weird and creepy. I'm glad that we're well away. Torsten said, Sif, thank you for looking after me. Sif and Torsten looked at each other for a moment and Torsten remembered holding Sif's cool hand in his and then later hearing her hair down and raging at the whole speckle path to exult in the liberties of the freebooting life. Later still, lying beside her with their long guns, both scanning the incoming flyer, ready to shoot, ready to die together. She smiled then and told him, the troll drone did most of the serious work. Like I said, it had to literally fight the Lantern computer machine. The computer was overrunning AIs left and right and getting tall girl's suit to shoot at the poor tall drone with the tall girl inside the suit and battling against this imposture every inch of the way. What an evil thing, said Torsten. Yes, so you can understand why the tall drone really took it apart when it got the chance. Tungsten nodded, then quietly said, I bet the tall drone took a complete system snapshot first. Oh, without a doubt, says Sif. So if the teacher bird starts giving the tall drone funny looks, then that's why it would love to get its hands on some more lantern technology. The Ashwing is fun for the young warrior, said, but one of the lantern computers would be the true prize. You saw what they did with that wolf mouth. Yes. Sif, and it's all incredibly dangerous. So the tall drone mostly sneaks around, trying to look inconspicuous now. And what happened to the Rari object? That nasty little gun? Sif didn't say anything to that. Sif, wait, do I need to know something? Son, you always need to know something, said the teacher bird, walking into the long room. Its suit was carrying what appeared to be a grill box. Look what Thimble Winter made us. Now we can have a proper cooking fire for guests. Teacher bird, but you don't eat, said Sif. Who said anything about eating, called the teacher bird. Let's cook em up anyway. Wait, said Torsten, what do I need to know? Sif, am I going to have to do this, asked the teacher bird. Sif nodded and sat back. Her eyes cast down. Very well, said the teacher bird, putting aside the cooking unit. It then hopped off the suit to stand on the table and addressed Torsten directly. Listen, Torsten. You were a lot sicker than you possibly realise. Kesh was okay. He's young. But you, Torsten... We almost lost you. There was emergency surgery. The teacher bird glanced at Sif. That didn't go too well. And so Thimble Winter took over. We thought we lost you. And like I said, Thimble Winter took over. And the ship saved you. It was your heart, Torsten.
Very well, said Torsten cautiously. The ship repaired your heart, said the teacher bird. It used a transplant, you could call it. Torsten nodded. Yes, we've got some tissue stores. No, said Sif quietly. Thimble Winter paired your heart using the Rari object. What? Torsten exclaimed. The teacher bird nodded. That gun thing is in my heart. That gun thing is your heart, said the teacher bird. It's a highly adaptive technology, Torsten. It's not a gun anymore. Well, it might be, said Sif. Sif has a point, said the teacher bird, flapping its wings before flying off. So, Torsten, you can get angry now, but take it to the cargo bay. That's where we keep our wild and bewildered these days. The teacher bird then left them alone. The empty suit lumbered after it and, in an unexpected and unbidden move, carefully closed the long room's door on its way out, hushing the general sounds of the ship. Torsten shook his head in this new quiet. He'd been thinking about all that the teacher bird had told him. The radiation, the surgeries, the gun. It doesn't matter, he said. Thank you, Sif. And by this Torsten meant that he did not care about what fleeting hells he'd been through, nor what strangeness had been performed. Sif was here on the other side, and she was safe. That was all that mattered to Torsten. There would be a time for this truth. But not yet. I tried to help, said Sif, touching his face. But you were so hurt from the radiation. The ship really did this, he quietly asked. There didn't seem to be any other choice, said Sif, and Torsten, this should always be unspoken between us. You mean the heart? Yes, Torsten. The heart. There was a scar, pale grey and surprisingly small. The ship's emergency surgery had left a skewered X on Torsten's chest. Torsten stood alone in a thimble winter corridor, his work shirt pulled open, looking down at this neat, somehow gnomic handiwork. What in ten thousand hells had thimble winter done to him? We are the sea? Well, yes, that was now very much true. He was never going to be rid of the Rari. And how did Torsten feel? Physically, pretty good. His recovery from the procedure had been remarkable. Maybe this was all no more sinister than one of the tool drone's emergency improvisations, where maker material could be snatched from anything to hand. He was alive after all. Should Torsten really start shouting now and demand an explanation? He knew that Thimble Winter was as always listening and watching. But Torsten and Thimble Winter barely spoke. One day that would change. Just not quite now, and he knew it. What kind of a skipper was he? What kind of a skipper could he be? Torsten looked around and saw a starship that after its visit to the Lantern Effector space was clearly richer, larger and better. While its crew were out looting and fighting, the ship had prospered. Torsten guessed that it was now twice the size than it had been back on Sif's Island and Thimblewinter had managed all these upgrades of a small war in background progress. I suppose I ought to thank you, Torsten told the ships in a world of glimmering surfaces and background hum, but I'm never quite sure where to address my compliments. Such is the opaque nature of your management structure. Nothing spoke back to him. Torsten continued. Just tell me that you aren't solely in this to enrich yourself. Again, nothing. Then from around the corridor's corner there came a discreet click, almost a finger snap. Taking the sound to be his dismissal from Thimble Winter's sphere of attention, Torsten walked off to the cargo deck. 
As Sif had told him, Torsten found Kesh and the tall girl there working on The Dreamer, which stood large, rangy, angular and stark in the multiple beams of workshop floodlights. The ash flyer's black, now stationary rotors drooped slightly and its flight cabin was a smoothly blistered bulb of mirrored glass that curved against the already moving storm sky camouflage. The animation was patchy here and there, where the tall girl and Kesh, both masked, were finishing the job with spray units. Torsten noted that despite being blind, Kesh had made fewer spills than the tall girl, from whose position a major splattering of the animation paint gave the former lantern's flyer the impression of being made of a storm, soaking its way up from the grill-patterned metal floor and finding its shape as a gunship. The Dreamer rune set was just below the pilot's position. It was rendered as a three-dimensional metallic object that floated within the moving sunset and caught the light now and then. There were no other markings of affiliation. Torsten guessed that the tall girl really was putting her military career behind her and the full pageantry of colour army symbolism be damned. The Ashwing Flyer was to be a deadly herald of her own new world of desire. Nice work, said Torsten. Hey, it's Torsten, said the tall girl, pulling off her mask. Kesh also turned and took off his mask, managing a quieter. Hello. Wow, said Torsten, stepping up to inspect the flyer. What's she powered by? Some extremely odd batteries, said the tall girl. But Thimble Winters run a conversion to the cells that we use, so that's fixed. The ramjets at the back are sub-zero cool. Can you imagine that? To avoid detection. Meanwhile, I hear that our good Dr. Starship did a spot of work on you too. Torsten tapped his chest. Yes, the Rari finally came in useful. I heard. That was so hardcore, said the tall girl. I've got a parts for you, Torsten. It's biosafe. Would you like a look? No thanks, that's okay, but maybe I'd like a look. Maybe not, said Torsten, backing off. What's wrong with Torsten? asked Kesh, walking over to them. There's nothing wrong, said the tall girl. Torsten was simply very ill, and this very clever ship helped him. Helped him how? asked Kesh. Ah, that was interesting, the tall girl said. What happened is that seeing her skipper was in distress, Thimble Winter came out of her perfumed hiding, took Torsten in her sweet, loving arms and kissed him better, the tall girl grinned, with a wink to Torsten. Ugh, said Kesh. I'm with you there, Torsten told Kesh. Huge mistake. I bet, said Kesh. Actually, I believe the mistake was made by someone else, said the tall girl under her breath. Torsten was about to ask her what she meant by that when a loud clang-boo made them look around. Again, clang-boom. Torsten's Valkyrie suit was in a far dark corner of the now enlarged cargo deck. She was hitting at a bulkhead with her fists. Apart from the noise, Torsten was beginning to wonder just how big Thimble Winter now was. Better get over there, said the tall girl. She's been acting angry and upset since we got off the Lantern space station. Go talk to her, Torsten. And say what? That's up to you, Skipper. Just don't expect an answer. They cannot speak. Also, I'm sorry to say that I've disabled the medicinal functions, so no more us going off and becoming intoxicated together. Oh, that's not your job, is it? asked Torsten lightly, dispensing the chemical jollies. The tall girl raised an eyebrow. Could be. Clang, boom. I think that she's very angry with the ship, said Kesh. And you might be right, said Torsten, thinking back to his first experience of Thimble Winter and the Valkyrie suit. As soon as they'd been able, these sisters had loaded upon weapons and tried to destroy one another. Clang, boom. I'll speak to you later, said Torsten to Kesh. You did good work there. Impressive runes. Clang, boom. Hey, knock that off, yelled Torsten and walked over to the Valkyrie suit. He was beginning to understand what Sif had implied, there being a kindergarten atmosphere to the cargo bay. And in truth, he was rather enjoying it. Sif and the teacher bird could be a little too much of a mini-mafia at times. What's going on? Torsten asked the Valkyrie. She turned to face him and slid up her visor, which Torsten had come to realise was a friendly gesture. He asked, is the ship getting you down? 
It may help you to know that I just had a living nightmare and barely now even think about. And then your sister decides to make me a souvenir of the experience. And now I get to wander around for the rest of my life, half trophy, half victim and 100% unamused. Does this sort of treatment ring any bells with you? With disconcerting fluidity, the Valkyrie crouched down, then sat on her haunches. So that would be a yes, Torsten supposed. He patted the suit's right arm and sat down beside her. Questions about Thimble Winter, Torsten could relate. Don't forget, Thimble Winter runs on my palm print, Torsten told the Valkyrie. It's a shame that you can't talk. I've got so many questions about your raid on the lanterns. How do they live? What are they like? Torsten thought that he could work out a simple way to get some answers, but then music from unseen speakers began to rise up on the cargo deck. It was the same dreamy, slow, now only vaguely discordant melodic wash that Thimble Winter had played before. Over at the Ashwing, the tall girl took no notice and continued to work, but Kesh raised his head in interest. And so the music played. That falling, swirling clash and fade of harmony and melody. The more Torsten heard, the more he found himself willing to be overwhelmed by its strange reach and profundity. But there was to be more. A lot more. With the Lantern Space Station far behind them now, Thimble Winter was only just getting started. As the music fell apart and surged, a moving star field was suddenly, like someone just switched the scene, projected over the entire cargo deck. The image field covered all its previously black, glistening surfaces, so that only the floodlit work area of the Ashwing refit remained in place. The dreamer, complete with his animated sunset and splodges, floated now in the galactic wash of a billion lights and blackest black, these new fake stars now reflected in its mirrored canopy. Against this background, and huge above the cargo bay, the hooded head of a woman dissolved into view. Oh, what was this? Torsten wondered. An inspiring shot of entertainment for the crew? Even the tall girl had now stopped working to look over at whatever this already novel spectacle of theatre might develop into. Then the figure in the projection loosened her hood a little and the face of a woman could be discerned, although her eyes remained in shade as the eerie music coiled and soothed. This is the story of the fast light dragon Thimble Winter. The woman intoned. This is going to be interesting, Torsten thought. The Valkyrie, in a final expression of frustration and rage, slammed her fists at the wall and Kesh sat down to listen. The vision continued. And were this story to be told to you by Thimble Winter, she would say that I am Thimble Winter and I was broken before I was born.
Thank you.